0: Hello and welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club. This is episode 68. I'm your host always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Howdy. On tonight's show, we are looking at something a little arty, as it's one of Stephen's picks, as we look at Goodbye Dragon Inn a film which is going to be really interesting to break down because there's only about ten minutes of dialogue in the whole thing.
1: <laughs> I think it's eight lines. Eight lines. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, cinema used to be silent, mate, and they managed, they managed to do that. <laughs>
0: yeah, but we also had blocks of text <laughs> that appeared on the screen to tell us what was supposed to be going on. <laughs> but all that's to come in the second half of the show. But first, it's time to ask what you've been watching, Stephen, since our last episode, what has been holding your interest?
1: So there's a couple of things, um, very much on different ends of the scale. So a few months ago, you got me um, interested in the Mubi streaming platform, which I was absolutely obsessed with for about a week and a half. And then I hadn't watched for three months because my subscription ran out today. But I renewed it and thought, oh, is there anything on there that I could watch that isn't too long that I could talk about tonight? And my eyes fell across a movie which I, I, I'm i going to suggest has one of the best titles of a film of all time and connects into a previous episode we've done. So I watched The Inflatable Sex Doll of the Wastelands.
0: Oh, you've been watching The Pink Collection then?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, which I, I, I maintain. Fantastic title, although... It's also known as the uh, Dutch Wife of the Wasteland, the Dutch Wives of the Wild. There's no Dutch people in it. Don't know why. And originally called Horror Doll. Again, nothing to do with anything. But then Inflatable Sex Doll of the Wasteland has nothing to do with it. Um, it's it's directed by the same guy that I think wrote Tokyo Drifter. Or if he didn't, he wrote Branded to Kill. He certainly worked with um, the director of those two films. And yeah, it's, it's one of those pink films you remember when i did the, my piece on them which said basically these nakatsu people could just make whatever film they wanted as long as there were a pair of tits every 10 minutes that's what inflatable Sex or the wasteland is apparently according to the pricey i've read it's about a hitman that is looking for an estate agent's wife who we see killed in a snuff movie but then he finds her and she's not dead and they have an affair and then it all goes south. That might be what it's about. I honestly have no idea, mate. There is. Yeah, there's definitely a hitman in it. Whether that's the story, I don't know. It's really experimental. It's got some fantastic bits in it like I really like the sort of the jazz soundtrack and I really like some of the shots although clearly it's not made for widescreen you know that way that they sort of stretch things out at the side some shots just do not work and they make you feel quite ill so it's, it's very experimental um as a lot of pink films are I guess that's part of the charm of them isn't it is that they they're 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 these sort of 60s porn movies and, and the worst kind of porn, very misogynistic, all full of rape and, and violence towards women, along with these, which is, you know, that, that was the job for hire bit of it, along with these directors and screenwriters who just used it as an opportunity to try things out and try this shot out or... Um, give this actor a go or give this kind of special effect a go and there's no it's it's, it's a weird old film nothing like i was expecting it to be um it's just the guy watches the film within a film the the stuff film within this film and, and he slags it off for being poor quality and I think, is that what i meant to be saying about this so i don't know really really weird film not my favorite um Pinku or Roman Porno, anything like that, that I've seen. Um, Although it has got Noriko Tatsumi in it, who's, like, one of the famous actresses of that period. Um, But, yeah, it's there. There are a few other pink films on Mumbai at the moment. Um, I can't really recommend it, but I can see why people are intrigued by them. And it's certainly a, a sort of a fertile period in sort of indie... Japanese filmmaking. Well, it's not really indie, is it? When it's for a big studio, but you know that kind yeah, of yeah. Um, I know what you mean. The, it's... the aesthetic, rather than the uh, the reality. So I don't, I don't. I don't know if you've seen it, mate. But
0: I haven't seen I this one, although the Arrow Player have just recently added the whole collection onto their catalogue. Mm. So it will be looking at it at some point because I mean the Pinku movies are really sort of like one of the last outlaw um eras of of japanese cinema that hasn't been really sort of exploited by one label or another really because you look if you look back as we said to the where we all began really this revolution in asian cinema and you had all like the mikes and um shinji um tsukamoto movies like you know um uh Tetsuo the iron man and you had all this sort of like experimental and the body horror and the extreme gore and violence and and that and then the Pinky movies so are sort of like never had the sort of distribution but now they're sort of really getting the they're not only getting, just getting picked up but they're also getting picked up and being given flashy releases which is really you mean, surprising. You, mean
1: just, you mean sort of international distribution after the fact yes yes I've noticed there's a couple of labels i mean there's there's always been um there's been a couple of American labels which have specialized in it um uh, which which uh, what's it called like Tokyo Shock or something like that? I um, think
0: Tokyo Shock because I remember that there was the Pinky Violence collection, which had yeah. um,
1: sex and violence and the Kenda Kamen movies, um, Sex and Fury. That's what it's called. Yes. That's the one I'm thinking of, um, which I've got somewhere. But yeah, very specialist labels. Yeah, you're not likely to find them in HMV or something, but you, online they're there. Whereas now, you know, um, one of the one of the big ones did a little collection, didn't they, of, or um, well, like a Pinku trilogy, didn't they? It must be Arrow, I suppose. I think they, it was, they would the be Arrow,
0: Arrow or Third Window. I want to yeah. say that I believe it's Third Window. And the... Third
1: Window have done a little trilogy set, yeah. They? And I... of course, what we had a couple of years ago was all those modern directors did new versions of Pinky films because we saw see on Sonos. Um, Oh, what was to see on Sono film? You maybe watch.
0: Oh, anti-porno.
1: Anti-porno, which is, you know, is is his version. His his nod to the genre, although he took it somewhere else completely.
0: Yeah, I remember. obviously, like back in the day? Like the pinky violence movies were never really sort of like the ones which sort of like did the did the rounds so much. Because I mean, at the time, I think everyone was really sort of into like the triad movies, the John Woo, uh, Ringo Lam style sort of action flicks and then when Miki came along it was sort of like there was all just this big rush to saw see the Miki one so we didn't really see a huge amount of them um sort of like filtering filtering through I'm just trying to find out who's actually put out the Pinker Vines because I think the Pinker Vines collection's been put out through Diabolic DVD which I believe is in the States but it's someone completely right. different over here Um but yeah you can watch it all on the Arrow player and yeah I used to watch these uh when you watch these things, your hands in your lap and a song in your heart, um, as we used to say. <laughs> I mean,
1: they're, they're not particularly sexy. That's that's the thing I I find about them. There's a, there's a there's a there's a there's a 60s kitchen sink drama aspect to the sex scenes. <laughs> so, yeah, these these are not these are not um yeah these are not sexy pornographic movies. These but are look at the older are, classic are, these are,
0: these are, um, all oh, the classic pornography and stuff, things like W Goes Dallas and Deep Throat and Beyond the Green Door, and these are films with serious plots. Mm. Um, and, and as, um, I think it's in After Porn One, uh, one of the actors there said, Yeah, I was in adult movies back when you had to be able to act.
1: Oh, after porn ends, yes, <laughs> yes. There's a couple of interesting documentaries. Um,
0: yeah. this, I think there's three or four of them now, mm. and it's kind of interesting to see where these people. Ended up and what's sort of are leading and stuff. So,
1: yeah. However, this one, this one is fine. But the, the, this, this, this pinko comes from an art house place rather than anything else. I suppose it's just about selling boobs, isn't it? I suppose. But you can draw a line from this film directly because its director is one of the writers on um, Seijun Suzuki's "Branded to Kill," and of course we've covered Tokyo Drifter before. So that kind of art housey filmmaking with elliptical storytelling and strange camera angles and stuff that you're not sure has really happened or not this is where it's coming from so it's interesting from that point of view Mm. then (laughs) i was just about to say i was just
0: if you were looking for a good pinky vines collection uh there is the pinky vines collection that was put out in 2005 uh, which is more sort of more on the girl gang side of things. You've got things such as like terrifying, terrifying Girls High School Lynch Law Classroom. Um, which is which is um a really good one and things like Girl Boss Gorilla as well, which is
1: uh Yeah, they're they're a little later, but they're more like in the seventies, aren't they? Or if not later.
0: Yeah, I mean those uh those are the Toei Additions mm. to it, um, but I think those, those when it comes to pinky violence, those ones I'd, I I kind of like the girl gang ones rather than just the yeah. gratuitous I mean, sex sex I mean, things.
1: As, as I, I think you know, as, as I spoke at great length before, when we looked at anti-porno, these Nakatsu Roman porno, romantic yeah. porno stuff is 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 a different thing altogether than that freeing violence and sex. It, yeah, it's it's very, it's it's very interesting, and I, I I do understand why people like it and and yeah i i'm okay with it, but it's an uncomfortable watch anyway. that was what I watched on Mumbai <laughs> today um, platform on, on the classic oh, I really do recommend it though especially if you not, maybe not so much for um asian cinema it doesn't it, it comes and goes on that, but in general, if you like world cinema or indie even indie we- uh western cinema it's it's got a load of good stuff on there it's great value for um for 9 a month. Yeah,
0: they've um, got the extended out there, the catalogue, because it used to just be the Rotation 30 Days, mm. and they've sort of done away with that slightly. Is there's, they've got a whole bunch of stuff dust in their archive that you can watch as well. Uh, but like you said, it's a, there's a lot of art house in there and not a huge amount of um, Asian cinema, but just... I think when it if you're really into wandering off the beaten path of of cinema in general, I think you'll find a lot to enjoy in there because you've got things like High Life in there and you've got Under the mm. Silver Lake and uh, um, quite a fair amount of Jim Jarmusch and um, that fellow you like who did Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. uh. uh Adamo.
1: That fellow I like, one of the greatest directors of all time. I've never Pedro seen any of Audubon. his films. I know of <gasps> his films,
0: but I've never actually seen them.
1: So, so so I want people to write in and say, Would you like a spin off series of Stephen Introduces Elwood to Great Spanish cinema? <laughs> because that's my that's probably my second favourite um you've seen quite a lot of Spanish language films though. I think you've just missed Pedro Almodovar, Um But I think you'd I think you'd enjoy a lot of his movies. But yes, a lot of that. Um it, Asian wise, it's got some one car wise stuff on there. It's got some um uh, Hang Sang Su stuff on there, very um, actually, probably more um, it's probably more Chinese stuff, sort of mainland Chinese stuff, which is certainly one of the films I saw on there. Was that and the one that caught my eye today was in that one, which is again is, is the Asian cinema I keep missing out on. We, we just even, even you and I haven't covered a lot of mainland cinema, have we? Um, Touch of Sin, I think, it's the only one I can think of that we've covered um so yeah it's a good it's a good it's a good service but you know it is a bit of a lottery on the other side of things um I got opportunity to review a new DVD release um so I've I've reviewed over on easternkicks.com so sort of my my once or twice a year review I've done for them but I took the opportunity Uh, Masters of Cinema Seem to be releasing over here in the UK some really nice Blu-rays of Johnny Toe films. Um, or certainly his, uh, the, the, the Milky Way um, sort of triad crime films. Um, a couple of months ago they put out, well I've, I've just called it that, they, and I've just put out the one film that's not in that, um, Throwdown. Which is uh, about an aging judo master, which is a fantastic movie, and one we must talk about on here at some time. And it was such a nice set. When they, when I read that they were putting out PTU, Police Tactical Unit, as a as a Blu-ray, I basically said yes, I'll review that. And because um, I'm getting it anyway, but I'll get an early uh, early view of it to see what it's like. And um, yeah, so uh, have you seen PTU? I don't think I have. okay so I'll describe so quite often so Johnny Toe makes two kinds of movies on the whole well three kinds of movies he makes random shit that will just park to the side he makes these um, romantic comedies set in Hong Kong Although these days he has to involve mainland people that are incredibly popular and make lots of money. And then he makes his crime dramas, which no one in Hong Kong goes to see, but incredibly popular, incredibly popular abroad. And basically, Johnny To is the main Hong Kong director post, um, uh, post uh, 97, post post (laughs) the original Brexit. Um, (laughs) It's. so, so he's got this huge catalogue of films in these three distinct piles. And, and probably people in the West only know him for these, these, these crime dramas. Um, we, I'm sure we've talked about one or two in the past. It's not big into mind. But P.T.U. is a little bit different. Because, and, oh, and yes, and also the other thing is he's got this, this group of actors he tends to work with a lot. People like Simon Lamb. Simon Yam, sorry, and and Lam Suet or Suet Lam, however, he's, I'm never too sure how to say his name. Um, you'll see similar people in all the all his movies. Um, PTU came out in 2003, and the difference is is that it's set on the on the right side of the law, if you like, um, and it basically follows a night in in in, in Tsingtao which is sort of the the the, the harbour side of Kowloon side of Hong Kong. Um, And there's this uh, basically a a police tactical unit or a couple of them, which are basically policemen with guns, Uh, one led by Simon Yam, um, the other um, run by, I'm going to say it's Maggie Hsu, but I'm just double checking. Um, And what has happened recently is one of their fellow police officers has been killed in action. And what becomes clear when you hear them sort of laughingly joke about it with a little bit of a you know nervousness um, is that Simon Yam believes that, it, that it's like a brotherhood, and you know the police force. If you put that badge on, you are you, you are to be protected. So when later on that evening, um, uh, another. A, a, a non-PTU, but a, but a, basically an a anti-crime, anti-triad member of the police force, played by um, Lamb Suet, um, who's a bit of a dick and a bit corrupt, <laughs> um, loses his gun. Um, Simon Yam's unit not only rescue him, but they give him the rest of the night to find his lost gun, because obviously that would be a huge... Um, well, it's a, it's, it's a huge... Um, uh, hr issue of nothing else right that the, the guys that the policeman's lost his gun um and we basically spend the night watching Lam suet and simon yams separately trying to recover the gun trying to find what's going on um, meanwhile, Maggie Hsu's unit are following these mysterious car break ins where basically the, we see the window smash and no one's around. And Ruby Wong is playing sort of this sort of CID kind of unit who knows, suspects that Lam Suet has lost his gun and he's also up, he's up both for a promotion but he's under investigation. So she's following him around Hong Kong. Um, and so basically all these different investigations are going on around Hong Kong or Simsai at this time, which all obviously leads to one big blowout at the end, um, when all those storylines combine alongside another storyline which turns up at the last minute about um people um illegally coming in from mainland China. It's a film which is really interesting because when it came out originally back in two thousand and three, people didn't really give it very good reviews. They were really excited for it because he hadn't done Johnny To hadn't done a crime film for ages. Um, but every review of it basically said it's all right, but it's not as good as his last one. And then it got a kind of re-release over in the in, in the West as part of another, alongside another film. And again, it got. Oh yeah, and they've also really released PTU, which is all right. Yet, if, when it's not on release, you start you go around and look at people's favourite Hong Kong films of all time or favourite Johnny Toe films of all time, and PTU is always in the top three, if not the number one. It's got this really weird sort of binary history of where people go, it's meh, and 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 oh my god, this film's fantastic, you must watch it. Now, it'd been a long time since I'd seen it, and I remember feeling a bit meh about it. But this is a really beautiful um, restoration of it. And it's got something that connects it to the modern day. So, it's a really weird film. So, it's set in the busiest part of Hong Kong that I know, Simpshire, which is just over the harbour from Hong Kong Island. Um... Nathan Road is where all the famous shops are so you walk up Nathan Road and you'll come across chunking Mansions yeah it's 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 a really busy area for businesses for the tourist industry lots of foreigners around there but this film takes place at night and Hong Kong is a city which pretty much never sleeps right apart maybe there's half an hour sort of between like 3 30 and 4 a.m it might be quiet but the rest of the time there's always people on the streets and what you will notice is is that they're walking around these places and if you've been to hong kong or if you've seen any other um film set in this area which a lot of Johnny toes films are you will recognize you will recognize the signs the streets the the shops and things like that but you'll realise how quiet it is. And the only people walking around are these different police forces that are walking around. You'll see the glimpses of people in bars or in Ma young um, parlours or in, or in cafes. And you'll realise that that's all going on behind the scenes. And the reason this was possible was this film was filmed at the same time as the SARS epidemic in... Um, in in Hong Kong back in 2002. So basically, Johnny Toe was able to make use of the fact the streets are empty to create this film, which is like, it's not really a love letter to this city, but you'll see it in a way you've never seen it before, and it becomes like a character in the movie. So if you think of films like um, Wings of Desire, where Vin Vendors makes Berlin a character in his movie, or um, Manhattan by Woody Allen, Yeah. It, it, it the city it's based in the air it's based in is always a character that's what ptu is like because of this weird strange unearthly time he was able to film it in of course now we're in you know, hopefully we're just coming out of our own our, our own local pandemic and um and i think back to films like um 28 days later or um oh, what's the spanish film that got remade tom cruise well, the, no, the one with, uh, in Times Square with Tom Cruise. Oh, you Open made. Your Eyes. Open Your Eyes. Yeah, That's we've got remade as
0: Vanilla Sky.
1: Remade as Vanilla Sky, where you've got that, that opening bit where the, the streets are empty. But Johnny Toe does this on a much smaller budget in a place which is even more unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, really... It's a really beautiful re-release of a film that I think a lot of people either adore or have missed off their... Um, they've they've, they've written it off and i don't know it just resonated with me this time round um the story itself is shit the acting is all right it's not it's not election mate it's not um uh it's i guess that's the film we covered isn't it election yeah it's not it's not it's not a tightly plotted really intricate Drama with lots of different characters bouncing off each other. You know, it's a bunch of grim place policemen walking around and basically stretching what's legal and not legal. And there's some incredible violence in it. Um, Simon Yan's quite good, but and Suet Lam, Lam is fantastic. This is the best I've ever seen him. Um, you know, because he, he's really the star of the show. And normally we think of him as a as a as a supporting actor, but yeah it's 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 really good i think it's what i'm trying to say Hmm. and well worth picking up um you know it's one of these masters of cinema releases which are always quite nice um quite often i assume they are um they're just rebadged criterions like uh like a lot of the um who's the other people that do that kind of thing eureka do don't they yeah yeah very similar like that um but what it makes me think with this and with Throwdown, you know, there may be some more Johnny Toe films on the way coming out, which is always a good thing. Um, I'd like to see some more of his romantic comedies or his stupid stuff like My Left Eye Sees Ghost come out. But, um, you know, there, there are lots of... It's, just, it's good to know that there is a market for these. And it may only be 2,000 or 3,000 copies, but that's 3,000 more than you and I would have seen... 20 years ago so yeah well well highly recommended and just the only other thing i have watched is i rewatched chunking express for a piece i've done on another podcast and um guess what that's still a bloody good film mm-hmm. <laughs> my 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 opinions haven't changed since episode two <laughs> how about yourself have you watched anything
0: I-, I would say it's been a very disappointing week he <laughs> <It> has, <laughs> um, when it's come to actually watching anything because he does watch bits and pieces of, of shows, really. I've uh, recently we started re watching a show which over here was called Samurai X, but I believe it's now pretty better known to uh, you folks as Ruino Kenshin, whose uh, four films have just been added to Netflix. So, if you're an Asian cinema fan, you've probably seen a lot of people talking about those movies this week. um because it's um, they've they've added the two el- elusive last movies of it. Because before you could watch the first two on Amazon Prime, and then they just disappeared. Um, typically, as with all things, just when I wanted to go and watch them, they disappeared. So thanks Amazon for that. But um, no, the anime series is is really really good. It's one of those series I remember watching way 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 back in the day, back when I was getting to anime. Uh, hence, why it was known as Samurai X because we didn't have fancy Japanese titles for anything then. Because um, it was a swine to order anything if you use Japanese titles for things, so things often had very simplified titles. And Samurai X is I was surprised how well it holds up. The animation is absolutely really stunning for this. And I mean, this is a samurai who doesn't actually maim his opponents but uses a sonic sword technique to knock his opponents out, even though. His first big opponent he takes on in the first episode is this, like, giant ninja guy. Um, and by the end, he's basically got the top half of his body's been smashed into the floor. So I don't know how alive or dead he is, but... Um it sort of brings into question his whole uh, approach to things, but it's available on Crunchyroll, so you can watch the whole dub series on there. Bizarrely, they've got the whole dub series, but not like the sub or on there, which is very unusual for them because they just tend to put the subs of things on and leave all the dubs over to Funimation. Uh other than that, just been continuing watching One Piece, which is still great, still watching High Rise Invasion, which is uh, still fun. And uh Sword Art Online is still ongoing as well. Uh, now that I'm on to the second volume of that, so we're now into the world of guns. Um so it's a bit of a bit of a change of pace from the fantasy realms we had in that first volume, so. But um yeah, hopefully by the time we speak again I will have seen something. Um, and just it's the problem is because as when we're recording this, I mean we're recording this on the twentieth of June here, so it's Father's Day in the UK. So, Happy Father's Day to all the father listeners out there, and like uh, my co-host, Mister Stephen.
1: Yes, Mister Stephen. <laughs> you sound like you've become my um <laughs> my my Chinese. It's just, you just talk, <laughs> Some reason my
0: head's gone like back to like when you when I, you're on so, tour and yeah. you like go to places and they can never pronounce your surname so they was like looking at you of, like do. oh hello mr, <laughs> mr. elwood it's like, know, oh.
1: in barley in barley the person who ran the the place that we said that did call me mr Steppen james <clears throat> james being my middle name um <laughs> they called call me it for a week ah oh, mr Steppen james you are back <laughs> so yes it's either that or i uh, or your basil brush okay <laughs> and you're calling me mr Stephen. Isn't that what he used to call the person? I don't know. Just Basil Brush
0: up? is not my time. I'm born 83. So I know oh. of Basil Brush, but I never watched it. We had we had um, Bodger and Badger.
1: Yeah. Oh, Basil Brush. That's a classic character. Anyway, for a different show. But, Make yeah. sure you
0: tune well, in to Stephen <laughs> yeah. and Elwood wax nostalgically about kids I mean, TV. There, is,
1: there is. I do feel there is a show there for a bit like the one that you do with Lackey about, <laughs> I'll bring you something from the 70s, you bring me something from the 80s. Oh, God. <laughs> Children's TV. In, with the,
0: like... the 80s, I just remember it's been snuck a lot of anime, as we've talked about recently. Mm. Um, there's a lot of shows that sort of were Japanese co-productions and you watch things such as like uh, JC and the Weird Warriors or Dog Tanyan um, mm. and the Musketeers, Lost City of Gold, Ulysses uh, 31, which I've just... Yeah. I was so excited to show lucky U see's one on the uh, latest TV good sleep bad and boy did he not <laughs> come from the same place I was with that show
1: yeah but we were we were fed these sort of French Japanese thing Battle of the planets being the other one battle suppose, of
0: the planets is another obviously another key one there I think mm. that's like one of the first examples of a show being reworked for a Western audience very much in the same that uh, Karen Ryder was reworked as power Rangers yeah over here.
1: and and, and, and there's a huge wonderful history to um, battle of the planet I, I talked about and I said I watched the live action recently didn't I which was dire um but um <laughs> what a yeah, surprise just, but we we were fed you know we, we had access to much less children's TV programming than than our American cousins at growing up you know even in, in your time oh yeah we didn't um, have like
0: tsunami and things like no, that you
1: know the children's TV programming was 330 to 5.30, um, weekdays only really and then there'd be some kind of wacky show on Saturday morning um, so we were fed these French and Japanese animations like Dog Tanyon, like Ulysses the, to, the one is French isn't it I'm sure it's French yes it's uh, and, French
0: because hence why when you look at the theme tune on Spotify because you want to yeah. like rock out in your car it's only in French and it's like well this is no good
1: yeah, and 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 we used to all sing the the the, the mysterious cities of gold thing tune along with Philip Schofield. Oh, <laughs> the pan pipes. Every every um, every day, because you know, five days a week, and we'd get it. We'd watch at least three of those days. We'd get an episode of that, and we'd see it, and it would be repeated a couple of years later. And um, yeah, we were kind of force-fed binge watching um, shows like we like we now do of our own uh, violation, but. Yeah, sorry, I've completely stolen your thunder there. I don't know where I went with that. Um, but I just... Basil Brush, you call me Mr. Stephen. that's okay. right. Okay.
0: So, yeah, with uh, E3, obviously, having this week as well, it's left me very little time to actually watch anything, so I apologize for that. But um, on an alternate track, if you go over to Mixcloud, you can check out my radio show, The Mixtape Hour. Bower, and most recently... I was joined by Stephen, who decided to come and share <laughs> some of his favourite music.
1: And I had an absolute blast. I've never heard of this website before, but um, Mr Rehack does stuff on it, doesn't? Yep. he? Yep,
0: uh, uh, do... Rehack from French of Sunday does uh, Radio Rehack, which is like pretty much what it is like the better version of what I do. Essentially, uh, he's know, got a, he's think... got a more of a flow to it. I. I like playing the music, but I don't like talking, yeah, which it, doesn't work it, well it, on radio. It's a
1: really interesting platform where you can basically do your own radio shows yep. um, with the music, and it's with really not. Music. I really, I, really, I have to be honest, mate. I had an absolute blast with you last week recording that, and my only frustration was I couldn't do thirty songs. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, it does make me think. Could I? Would I do it? But I don't think I'd have the. You know, I wouldn't be able to carry it. I'd want to talk too much about the records while they were going on but yeah real real good blast really good show and I hope you hope you do more and get more of our more of our community involved in that because um, so. music 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 is important as well as movies movies first but obviously <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely movie move move first. it's it's um.
0: it's a it's a fun distraction, which I think in these these times it's good to have fun distraction because mm. it stops you asking questions like what's the llama in charge doing <laughs> <laughs> it's like where are we going, and why are we in this hand basket
1: <laughs>
0: so uh yeah uh as the next episode, I will have many exciting things hopefully to talk about. I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I've got saved here that I want to watch. And everywhere I look, there's just like another pile of stuff. I've got in the Skybox, there's stuff on there that I've I've taped and stuff. So it's it's not about having a shortage of things to watch. It's more it's about a shortage of time um, and watch to watch them. But um, boy, have we got a fun one for you tonight.
1: our opinions may vary on this one I think this is going to be one of the most divisive episodes that we've done so far
0: well on that note we're going to fire (laughs) the projector and we're going to check out our feature viewing for tonight goodbye dragon inn And we're back. Uh, Goodbye Dragon Inn is a 2003 production by Teiz Ming Ling um, set in a theatre is showing its final film, the 1967 martial arts feature, Dragon N, which play provides the backdrop as a screening of the film marks the end of an era for the cinema. And we follow the many various patrons of this cinema as they come together on this final night. Um, Stephen, this is a very much a one of you sorts of movies.
1: <laughs> All right. Try to put it in some context. <laughs>
0: You can try and put this into context. I'm just worried that this is going to be like Tell Two Sisters, and the fact that we've got a very visual movie that doesn't have a huge amount to discuss in many ways. But let's see how we okay. go. Okay. All
1: right. Well, I, I, I maybe. So I want to. So obviously, a quite a few episodes ago, I made you watch The Terrorizers by Edmund Yang. Yes, you did. <laughs> which, which, I think is probably the film I've suggested you've liked the least of. Anything, and I understand why that was. And Edward Yang comes from what we call this sort of first new wave of Taiwanese cinema, um, uh, and, and, and so, so so Taiwanese cinema. stopped it's, it's it's got a long and varied history. It's probably as long as any any cinema in the world. Um, there was this, this great golden period. Um. Before b- before the war, even, um, the, the, and and it has links with. Um, Hong Kong cinema and a lot of people that initially went to Hong Kong to work for the Shaw Brothers ended up going back to Taiwan or to Taiwan to make things like people like King Hu, who directed the Dragon Inn film, which is the film within the film that's going on in this. So there's this this is sort of great commercial era, and then we have got to remember the history of Taiwan and it's under martial law and it's not actually as nice a place. You know, although it's a great economic miracle. Is it actually that great place to live? And we get people like Edward Yang who are doing this sort of social realist dramas. And then we have the second new wave of which um, Tsai Ming-liang is is one of the main proponents of this cinema. Although he is not Taiwanese, he's Malaysian and um, was raised in, in in Malaysia and moved um, moved to Taipei in his twenties. Um, and so he's he's one of these directors and there's a few of them around you know the ones that don't really feel like they belong anywhere so his stories aren't necessarily sort of about the, the the story of taiwan like some of his uh contemporaries are um so um he is very famous for having cinema with very few words and part of the also part of that sort of slow cinema movement um I'm trying to think of there's the uh oh what's the fella called um I've done a lot of slow cinema a lot of slow cinema comes out of Thailand um what's his name oh, i can't i can't re- oh i know that like, um a Chittapong of god Veracethical who um makes a lot of slow cinema films they're they're in the same world who Sien is another one. Anyway, you've got to put it in the context of that historical story I just told you, because what happened was after that first new wave died off, Taiwanese cinema was in a bad place. And so the point of the the reason they play Dragon Im inside this movie is Dragon Inn was the first Taiwanese film to be like internationally successful. I mean, maybe mostly around Asia, but you know, it was it was a big deal. And in the time period this film is set in, Taiwanese cinema is in a right pickle. And so this is, the it's not just about the film, it's just literally about a cinema that's closing down, because it literally is set in a cinema that was literally closing down. (laughs) Um, It's about this, this, it's like a love letter to cinema and going to the cinema, which at the time looked like was just a dead, a dead, a dead, um, Thing in in taiwan now as it turned out after this or sort of in the same sort of time frame cape number no. seven came out and a new wave of commercial cinema sort of took off which is still going today but at the time this was this was you know a bit like we were going through you know all those Odeon cinemas closing uh being replaced with in our case these big multiplexes but there's very few single screen cinemas in the uk today and i think that's the sort of story that um Tsai is trying to talk about here so yeah it's very, it's very important why he's picked that movie um, and, and that's why the movie's kind of empty because he is not someone who's necessarily that interested in history and the social stuff of, of Taiwan certainly not within this movie he's drawing off his own memories so um, again you do need to do to read around this one a bit so we have um, the lady behind the, the ticket selling lady with the limp yes. right played by chen xiang who I have met, and she is delightful. But she's like his muse. She's in a lot of his movies. There's a lot of lot of movies, which you, probably you'd enjoy more. But they're still quite slow. But there's maybe more of a plot going on. Um, so she's got a she's got a limp. Um, I don't know, a gammy leg is one as 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 the, as the booklet to the movie calls it. Or don't know, don't know, gammy is a leg a... brace. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Not like a
0: gammy leg.
1: <laughs> I I just thought it's a really weird phrase to use in a, in, a, in a what else is quite a sensible um, highbrow discussion, but. But yes it's it's a leg brace um and there's, there's nothing wrong with her in the world but he remembers going to cinema with his father and there being a ticket seller with a leg brace on yeah so that person is from his memories and a lot of this film is just about memories of being in the cinema which i guess resonates quite a lot i mean i, I know you probably you're, you're going to the cinema days probably are, are a bit past you anyway <laughs> mate because, um of your of your life i wouldn't but... say
0: that they've ch- they've changed slightly because it used to be like you know the midnight screening It mm. was like where you used to go now it's the 10 a.m screening <laughs> with a nice yeah. cup of coffee which is a real treat because you don't have to mingle with people
1: it with or with the kids it's the 10 a.m screaming um i <laughs> know uh, we i
0: don't this is the thing because cinema is church and we just don't take them there
1: uh, good, <laughs> they, they can go
0: there with the school. Um, that's that's their thing, and go and yeah. see the movie with the celebrity animals and stuff.
1: But you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. So a lot of people in our orbit, you know, other podcasters that we work with, cinem- Going to the cinema is a big freaking deal to them, and our friends over in America. You know, they've. They're showing off at the moment that they can go to the cinema, and you know we've just out just started being able to go back again, and we have memories of of going to the cinema, and I remember going to see Alien Three and being the only person in the cinema, and this film reminds me a bit of that experience, but we all remember you know the the person sitting there who put their feet up behind you, or the um or the people that eat food noisily, um and all these all these little sort of memories and things of, of him going to the cinema with his father. Again, there's a young boy who's gone there with his father. You know, that, that's a memory he's drawing upon. So it's a kind of... I know, it's, 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 it's a replay of his own memories, which hopefully some of us share some of them as well. Um, there's also a story going on there about, you know, the, the woman, the ticket seller has a crush on the on the projectionist who... We don't see, he's never around. she tries to give him a bow bun and and, and her, her walk there you know she really can't walk very easily. <laughs> it's quite a journey when we finally find out who he is there's a joke you're not going to get Elwood I'm afraid because the character is another one of his muses who always plays the analogue of the director in all his other movies so the fact when he's finally unmasked it's this guy you think ah look it's him again from all those other films and uh that that kind of plays out quite nicely because he is also the film director um now, some of the rest of it, mate, I've got to say, aren't memories that I've got. Like, I've never been a Japanese tourist using the cinema as a cruising place. <laughs> <laughs> looking, looking both to watch a film and, I think, give a blowjob. I think that's what he wanted to do. He's um, trying to
0: find a connection. The, the, yes, yeah. <laughs> the the cruising uh, gay guy is, from what many people have said, is the highlight of this movie for them. But he also is, goes about trying to feel out the waters in probably one of the more creepier ways. It's kind of like when you're watching a snake eat the pig. It's, yeah. th- it's got these weird movements with his head. Um, kind of like he's trying to hypnotise them or, or something. But yeah, he's um, he's looking for love in all the wrong places. Is he, he probably is. the subtext of his story. The fact that he starts in the cinema and ends up in the... Grimy basement in his uh, his quest. I think very few people in, involved in it, who make up the audience here are actually there to watch the film, which in many ways reminds me of like the cinemas which I sort of came up when you realised that you could go to the cinema by yourself, and these cinemas were the right level of grime. For it yeah. not to matter, like you couldn't go to like an, like, um, what was it like a view, like a nice mm. cinema where you have a comfy seat and a holder for things? Um, these were like very sort of independent, Odian sort of style cinemas mm. where nothing's been replaced in years. Yeah. Um, and it's all it's got that sort of like level of grime, it's kind of like the British version of the Grindhouse. we haven't got quite got the grindhouse uh, thing going. So there's nobody shooting up drugs or getting blowjobs and the floor use it. It's not quite that sticky. No. But at the same time it's got a certain level of grind which is reflected in the cheapness of the ticket you're buying.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I'm just talking about the There's this wonderful bit set in a men's toilet, which just goes on just too long well a lot of the scenes a lot of the shots this go just too long they do but, you know, he he goes to the toilet there are other people there no one wants no one seems to move except for one guy comes out of the stall and is clearly received said blowjob from somebody else <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the japanese guys there and he doesn't want to move because i think he's feeling a bit shy about using the the, the urinal <laughs> and some guy's got everything he ever wanted <laughs> in, a, in a stall while he was sitting there having a wee, or standing there having a wee. It was, it's, it, and again, you know, we've all had that kind of panicking public toilet where men just don't talk to each other in our toilets. There's, there's a wonderful trope, isn't there, where women are talking to each other in, you know, in between their stalls. Yeah, it's a, in comedies and, and dramas, and um, you know, women have comedies, Men just they there in silence, hoping their bladder is going to empty time. It just <laughs> just you,
0: burn a hole in, into the uh, tiles you, in front of you. This is where but, they hang newspaper in the classier places, so you got something mm, to read.
1: Yeah, when you're that's ignoring why, that's why, the people. That's why you always think, oh. Uh, <sighs> A hair loss clinic. I could go there. <laughs> oh, I know. I need to get something insured because they put adverts there these days. But yes, there's, I, I just think that, that that scene is quite wonderful, just full of that kind of just that lack of communication that men have. Although there are two having a very a very strong connection. But yes, um, there's also so the first lines of the movie is the Japanese fellow's gone out and met somebody for a smoke, and you know his his attentions are are not requited. Um but the guy does say to him, This place is haunted. You know, there's ghosts here. And 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 there are those feet which appear behind the Japanese guy's head at one point. You know, there's no character that they're related to. Um and, and, and there are there are people wandering around. There's many more people in that lavatory than there are in the cinema. <laughs> so
0: It's funny you took the line as meaning that, because I took it mm. really as the fact that that everyone in here, nobody acknowledges anyone else. So they're all ghosts within their world, Indeed. and you've even got I... like ghosts of the film in the fact mm. that you have three cast members of the film who are also in this film. That, um, that's
1: right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And um...
0: when we get to the end, when two of them meet outside and he's sort of like master, they've forgotten us, and it's this idea that that you know. People that, while well, they were like obviously these big names when this film came out, the fact that nobody now remembers them, making them essentially the ghosts of this cinema. So,
1: there's, there's, there's that's absolutely a reading of it as well. You know, is any, is anybody here real? Is anybody here going to be remembered by history?
0: So, um, yeah,
1: sad. it's a it, very, it's a very, it's a very sad film. And, and like you, you absolutely got it right when you said about, yeah, you know, it's pissing down with rain outside people are just gone once at least one person just gone here to get out of the rain right um which is not something you can really do anymore because you don't you don't happen to be walking outside of the city and Mm -hmm. and come across oh there's a place to hide this multiplex cinema it's um i don't know there's a there's there's an individual connection which is somewhat lost now and i think I, i think that's what the film's about we've also got the um there's the lady who's eating peanuts and drops her shoe.
0: Yeah, the woman eating <laughs> peanuts in in the in the cinema. <laughs> the sound is so excruciating. That's <laughs> it. Like so many shots in this film, it's so prolonged. Like yeah, a shot. And, it's and... it's dragged out to the point where it stops being interesting, and we instead we have like a good five minutes on peanut lady, which it brings us back to the point you raised earlier about you know the this being back in the time when you could take your own food to the cinema. And there was that that period when I used to go to, like, the Restore art screenings of, like, things like Donnie Darko and Bowling for Columbine. Myself and uh, this group of critics who used to go to these screens, we had an ongoing competition, what the most random thing we could sneak into the cinema was. And I think at one point it was, like, a whole cheese board, which smelled absolutely (laughs) fantastic, like... The smell of of expensive cheese wafting for the cinema. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and I think we were. It was just you know as annoying the the arty crowd, the like the beatnecks there who they're smoking in the cinema, not giving a shit about the <laughs> no smoking policy. So yeah,
1: it, it, and with her in particular, what I what I do, I've seen this film a couple of times, and. With her, I play that game where you just kind of imagine her backstory. Is she, you know, I, I we know nothing about her other than that she's noisily eats peanuts and she can't keep her fucking shoes on. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of imagine is she is she is she a prostitute that's coming from the rain? Is she you know is is she is she unemployed? What what's her story? And I play that kind of game with which is again you know when you've been to the cinema and there are there's some. There's, you know, there's always someone that sort of sits in front of you and then can't sit still and changes seat about fifteen times. Have you, have you ever had that person in the cinema with you?
0: No, I've never, oh, I've, I've ha- never had had that experience. Even like back in the days when, as I said, back in the days of when I used to go to Cinostall Cinema, and it was essentially just a piece of wood with some fabric thrown off it. Which, I'm telling you, no, when you're watching like. Um, the Redux cut of Apocalypse now, which is like four hours, and they put in that intermission in between, so you go off and then you realize you're gonna have a two hours on that fucking bench.
1: <laughs>
0: um, that, but again, these were like the best cinemas because you could go by yourself to the cinema, like these characters mm. are, and you don't have to worry about being with someone else because nobody else is bothering you. And it's not nice enough for anyone to really realise. You're not like next to couples like busily making out and and like people like making you trying to make you feel bad about the fact you go to the cinema by yourself. Mm. So, um yeah, I I I certainly resonated with the that old school cinema experience it so encapsulates and I think well, I think there's a handful of people there who are actually there to see the film. I think most people are just there because it's somewhere to be, and mm. it's around some form of human contact.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's it's a lonely place that cinema, isn't it? Every every everyone is alone apart from the guy with his son. I think. I don't think anyone else. There's no couples there, are there? For example,
0: no, there is no uh, couples. As I said because the only ladies we see is the ticket vendor and yeah. the woman eating <laughs> the peanuts
1: and <laughs> the peanut lady. <laughs> yeah, the
0: peanut lady who I think she's the only person who actually makes our our, our Japanese tourist feel uncomfortable
1: she does he's Put busy making pop. everyone else
0: feel uncomfortable but he—he, he, he, she's the one who makes him feel uncomfortable yeah. and the fact that when she drops a shoe off there's this fascination it's all like what's she going to do <laughs> and it's all like and the fact she just moves herself forward a seat yeah um, it it's this, it's on the same level as like when you go to the supermarket and you like hang around the pet food out and listen to the insane conversations that like dog owners <laughs> have where you fondle a food on it so like oh he doesn't like those biscuits he picks it up and puts it down <laughs> and it's like the greatest entertainment you can have in the supermarket like <laughs> <before> yeah you... <laughs>
1: it, it it just yeah I. I you know there's, there's no real story here there's some scientific the scientific there's some historical context and there's some interesting characters there's also some beautiful shots i know that i think you weren't a fan of the shot that's shown on the on the uh, the seat uh, the dvd cover but i, I think was that's more beautiful. just the
0: fact that they've they're going a purple haze it's more yeah. frustrating when you look on like letterbox and stuff you've got that wonderful shot of the uh, towards the end of the film where it's outside in the rain and she's got her umbrella Oh and I was yes. like that's a D- that would be a fantastic dvd cover to have but yeah. no we've got this weird shot of her with the light off the screen and it's got a purple tint over it so it kind of looks like um oh i don't know like a penguin release book
1: ha <laughs> yeah i i I do, I do know what you mean but i i think it's a beautiful cuz you know it's showing that the the the, the film dragon in film which is playing throughout this or throughout most of this film is, you know, you do see it occasionally face up, but you see it all kinds of strange angles. You see it from behind. You see it through, like in her case, you're seeing it through something else, isn't it? So it's all just the pinpoints of light getting on her or other types you just hear the music when she's up in another room because she's doing all the chores and and the place is leaking and they're they have to put buckets down to collect the water dripping through and and actually the cinema as magical as the cinema can be you know the silver screen we talk about the magic of the silver screen it's a concrete fucking building that with you know it might as well be a I don't know a, a temping bowling alley or or a shopping mall or anything. It's it's not a special building. It's only special where the film's being shown. And you know there are other films like I don't know, like Cinema Paradiso, which sort of plays with a similar mm. idea. But they're not. They're they're all to do with the magic of the cinema. There's a there's a, another a Cambodian film which I love. Um, I can't remember. the last reel which I've spoken about before, which you know uses the cinema as this magical place where the stories are told and maybe some truths are told this is a sad place for sad people and sadly it's closing today um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of depressing but also just also at moments really poignant and beautiful but I do know that not a lot happens in it what I'm hoping is at least you could tell the different characters apart this time which I know is your problem with the terrorists. Uh,
0: the, yeah, the problem is that the terrorists was just a bit of an incoherent mess, despite what uh, yourself and many of your followers <laughs> on the Facebook group will tell me otherwise. Because there are everyone in our Facebook group; there they seem to be a very well-educated bunch, which makes it brings into question like the fact that I sub why I subject to them to like half the time with my picks. So, yeah, but this one it's. It's very much a film that you're going into, and you're going to have to just sort of wash over it, In especially because it's so experimental and tone, shots are sort of drug, dragged out, and you have to sort of fill in the blanks in the story itself. But I think once it, you get into its flow, then it it it's fine. It's kind of like watching like something like Sofia Coppola's uh, *Somewhere*, but you know, less dialogue. Um, so I'm, I'm
1: getting I'm getting the feeling you didn't actually hate it.
0: I never said that I hated this film. I mean, as I said uh, on my Lebot score, I gave it a three out of five, which
1: I was, I was, I was expecting it to be more of a one out of five. No, ago. why the hell have you done this to me? So I'm, I, I, I'm <laughs> seeing three out of five as a victory. It's
0: you. I think you would go either way on this, yeah. this, this film. I think you either be completely enamoured with it, like a number of like. You know, high profile publications of, of like it, But then again at the same time when I see like these lists and stuff it sort of like feels like the sort of film you cram in there just so you got a bit of culture. It's like yeah. it's like look I've got some veg with me steak. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean
1: I, I'm not gonna lie I'd rather watch Dragon Inn or Dragon Gate in, or New Dragon Gate in. You know, take your pick or, of them, or, or, or any, any of the Dragon in. Again, another film or, or, or group of films that we could watch. Um, I'm not even sure it's my favourite timing Liang film. It just so happened that fairly recently a Blu-ray version has come out, and it does look really, really beautiful. Um, uh, and 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 slow cinema is obviously something I've been connected with through my time on Eastern Kicks over the last ten years so I thought I'd better bring bring a slow cinema film to the party and I thought this one was fairly um, yeah I mean it was it was going to be this or The Assassin and um I will bring The Assassin to play one day okay. but that's going to be the most challenging film I've ever asked you to watch. Really? Oh yes.
0: Oh I did, I my watch this as well. Um... Yeah, I but then again I think this is the whole point of this this project really. It's not just about going off and doing the the highbrow titles, the lowbrow titles or just the well known ones. It's about constantly pushing yourself, um, in in exposing yourself to what Asian cinema essentially is. And I think while there's gonna be some of our listeners who watch this and think that it's awful, I think there's gonna be another group who just think this is really fantastic and it's really gonna strike a chord with them. Um
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone would hate this. I think you just have no feeling whatsoever towards it. You'd either fall in love with it or you'll be fairly meh. Yeah. It'd be like it's 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 harmless. It's only eighty two minutes long. You know, there's plenty of slow cinema which goes on for four hours. Um this this one. Chimes in, chimes out, the time's passed, you think, oh, okay. And with a little bit of reading around, when, once you realise you know, those two guys are in the original Dragon Inn film, that gives it an, a new layer. Once, you know, once I told you the reason she's got a, a gammy leg is because that's how he remembers something. You know, it kind of then makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? But you do, have to, you do have to read up on it to get a lot of that out of it, which a lot of people don't want to do, and that's fair enough. You know, some people want, want the film to tell them the story. I suggest don't see Donnie Darko.
0: <laughs> but... Now, you, if you, the problem with Donnie Darko is you can watch the director's cut and have everything explained to you. Yeah. Um, or you can watch the original cut, which do, has that mystique to it, and is the way it didn't really take off in the states. And it's a, an, I mean, with Donnie Darko, it's one of those those situations like the fact that Clint Eastwood goes off to Italy and makes, like, the Sergio Leone movies and comes back a huge star. Donnie Darko, Reservoir Dogs, don't do much business in the Native America. Come over to the UK, and they'll sort of embraced. As these, these films, we for whatever reason, there was, we just. We've read about Dogs, I think, in the States, it was released as this little sort of Art House movie, and in the UK, it was released as this big release, this exciting new yeah. voice in the cinema. Donnie Darko, again, was just very sort of like indie release, but for some reason, it just struck a chord with us over here. And it goes back to the states and it's all like oh the brits really love it we're like dark or <laughs> over here so we for some whatever reason we just really embraced um that 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 film for whatever reason so
1: but you know there, there is a lot of additional materials with donnie darko with the that that you can use to help further your understanding yeah there's there's
0: yeah there's i think don't i mean much like richard kelly's bet the best films really this that and southland tales they're so crammed with details it's like a good lynch movie that mm, you just spend like so much time just breaking it all down because he just essentially just throws so much at the and, the and screen
1: you want, and you want to talk about it with other people and you'll find there's plenty of other people who want to talk about it with you And I, I i i just feel this 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 is a film which is advantaged by talking about it but it's also a film which is advantaged by actually having experienced a cinema in this way and you know we're of an age where we have been to those little cinemas well you know the what the single screen cinemas i don't know if anyone 10 years older than you mate will ever have been in a cinema like that and they've Damn millennials. In, yeah millennials <laughs> upwards this is this is uh this is not a memories that they will resonate with so that that's kind of interesting but
0: um but yeah, I mean, obviously, back to that cast. I mean, obviously, from Dragon Inn, we've got uh, both Miao Tian and Xian Chun, um playing themselves. We also got Chan Chan Chao Jun um, playing himself as well, who was in um, Eat Drink Man Woman. Okay. Because uh, I thought I wondered why the would be there playing himself, but no, he's actually um, he's wasn't in the in the film at all. He's he's in that um, that's his most sort of noteworthy film that I can sort of see on his, his little resume there but no, Eat Drink Man Woman's a really good film, it's one of Ang Lee's um, foreign films, should we say?
1: Yeah, Have so it... so Ch- Ming Liang and Ang Lee come from the same generation of Taiwanese cinema, but Ang Lee obviously made it big <laughs> <laughs> probably bigger than any other Chinese director or Chinese sort of um, yeah yeah Chinese-speaking directors ever, I'd have thought. Can't think of many others that have had the, had the broad success that he's had.
0: He's interested in the fact that he's making studio pictures in the States and at the same time he's going off and making films in in his uh in his native homeland which are arguably better than the films he's doing in the studio system when you look at things such as like and i include things like the wedding banquet in this because i think Mm. it's very much in the same sort of vein of those movies but certainly lost caution is phenomenal and a film that i think more people need to rediscover um, I taught my like, top 20 first-time watchers of, of last year. Um, I was absolutely blown away by that movie, and I was so surprised that the same guy who did, like, his adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, and Hulk would also uh, be responsible for that movie. But um, as we've mentioned many times before, Eat Drink Man Woman's got some serious food porn at the start of it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah,
1: but yeah, from from, from that same... It's that same pool of talent, although very different directors. So yeah, um, I, I'm, I, I yeah, I, I, I am wondering whether I've picked the right film. <laughs> um,
0: In what uh, respect?
1: Uh, for, or, or from Chiming Lang, whether I've um, picked one that that would make anybody go and want to explore more, because I think it's a very atypical film of his. Um, I would probably suggest the two films that are, are around it. Um, what time is it there? in the Wayward Cloud. The Wayward Cloud is the one with the famous watermelon fucking in it. Um, and if that doesn't get anyone's attention, nothing will, right? <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're a kind of one, one's a sort of sequel to the other, um, but they're and they're a little weirder. They have still have limited dialogue, still have the same people in them, but uh, I think they're a little more. There's a little more to them that we can talk about. I think. I think. I think we've pretty much described every scene in the film already (laughs) that's worth talking about so yeah maybe I picked the wrong film but I'm I'm happy I love this film but I'm not sure I've picked the best film of this director
0: Seven thumbs up from from Stephen.
1: Seven thumbs up from me. (laughs) What the hell is that supposed to mean? but But I do get it where other people wouldn't like it.
0: Yeah Yeah I've got nothing uh, else to to add to this one. That's so. all
1: right. That's all right. That's one of those. It's one of our shorter shows.
0: Yeah. Um, on that note, though, it brings us to the end of another edition of the Ace of Phone Club. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, check out our sponsor, Yes Please Vintage, uh, for uh, great, great uh, retro fashions and things <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't say do you, how do you say I don't want to say knickknacks because it's
1: uh, paraphernalia I don't know paraphernalia okay. that's a good word
0: okay. yes um, you can follow us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter Facebook our Facebook group in particular is a really great uh, hangout space. we post stuff pretty much every day not only relating to Asian cinema but Asian pop culture as well we have some fun discussions happening over there as well um including the most recent um, addition of James uh, Hong to the Hollywood Walk of Fame.
1: Yes, James Hong who must be in every American film ever made since about 1950 as the Chinese guy. <laughs> Including most famously, I suppose, Big Trouble in Little China. That's the one I was remembering. Yeah, him in, that's but... his
0: big uh, role. I mean, he played the waiter in The Big Bang Theory. He's in Balls of Fury. I think you can just throw a rocket <laughs> any film. I mean, he's if you watch uh, Deed, um he's one of the he's the Chinese alter ego of one of the characters. So
1: he is. Yes, he's he's um, he's also in he's a bad guy in a Jason Statham film. Where there's a little Chinese girl that's a super math genius, and he's really good in that as well. I can't remember what the film's called, but it's a, it's a favourite of mine. But yeah, he's well overdue. I mean, he is the face. He is the face of Asian America, I think. Mm. And, and he's um, got to be 250 years old.
0: But Daniel, 92, I think he is.
1: Gosh, and he's still going strong.
0: Um, Victor Wong is the other one that got proposed on our. Um, Our Facebook group uh, has another deserving name. He was uh, obviously uh, Egg. Is it Egg Wong in uh, Big Trouble in Little China? He's the bus driver slash gang leader (laughs) slash sorcerer. Um, So yeah, he's another one, another really great uh, shout out there as well. I would say, but uh, yeah, Daniel Daniel Day Kim of um, Lost and Hawaii
1: Five O Five O.
0: Angel, he's just another sort of like if you. And need also,
1: also the man who brought the good doctor over from Korea, um, so he's he's, he's does stuff in production terms as well. So uh, puts some puts his money where his mouth is.
0: But um, yes, thank you to him for obviously spearheading this campaign. I was like looking for the list of people who were getting stars, and it was like I was like going think, oh yeah, that's that's good, and he was like DJ Khalifa, and I was like maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um <laughs> but um, <laughs> if you want to check out our full archive of the episodes you can do at Asian cinema Film Club dot dot com. on there as well we've got David Brooks movie vault we've got Steven's dark celebration cinema we've got the anime vault we've even got the mixtape as well there's plenty of stuff to go and check out there and it's uh, just recently been updated after a short spell of not being updated by myself so uh there's definitely plenty to check out on there as well but um Thank you as always for listening, and next episode it is my turn to pick, and we are going to look at another classic, in probably different terms, as uh, this one's um, one of the key animes of my early anime viewing, as we're going to check out Ninja Scroll. Um, since everyone's on a pop samurai kick at the moment, I think it's perfect time to uh, check out the classic pop samurai anime. Um, so, Um, which Stephen hasn't seen, as he told me at the start well, of the show.
1: As, as, as covers the price to nobody. Although, this is one of the classics, isn't it? I mean, this is... Um,
0: yeah, I mean, this is like Ghost in the, the Shell the and movies. Akira and, and stuff. I think this is one that I think even people who aren't sort of into anime have normally seen just because it's obviously got that place in sort of like pop culture. It's all one that gets passed around um, a, fair, a fair bit, but... Mm. Yeah, it's uh, from the same director who gave us like *Vampire*, into *D. Bloodlust*, *Wicked City*, uh, *Animatrix*, *Demon City*, Jinjuku, *Cyber City*, *Owido 808. No, yeah, these. I'm,
1: I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it because it is, it's it's it's, it's, you know, it's always mentioned in the same sort of breath as *Akira*, as um, uh, *Ghost in the Shell*, those kind of yeah those sort of things which sort of came to us on videotape in the early days of dvd in the early 90s yes it was Um,
0: uh really one of those sort of key titles of like that big anime boom um it probably turned
1: out i've seen it mate and i've just forgotten okay hopefully hopefully not hopefully it's a brand new watch so i'm I'm kind of looking forward to it
0: cool so that's obviously coming up on our next episode but until then thank you as always for listening thanks to my co-steven
1: pleasure as always
0: and we'll be back next time to talk about Ninja Scroll. Until then, good night. Hey! Hey! Hey!
1: Hey!
0: no hey! hey! Ja